ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Timmy Gibson Show, starring co-host of the Timmy Gibson Show, <laughs> Lance Strickland. I gotta have something <laughs> right at that, you know, it's kind of like bottom beat, you know what I mean? <laughs> and special guest here today, Jerry Hedrick. Oh, well, Jerry. Gentlemen. And finally, taking up the tail end, is <laughs> none other than our genius Steve Janky, <laughs> you know what? Steve Janky gets mentioned every, every single time we do. His Even brand if he's is not here. Oh, totally. So I was so. Last... We've given Jerry a call out too. I know. Well, Jerry, Jerry usually doesn't get uh, brought up in the same name with genius. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm I'm just here because the bar's low. <laughs> so, so, yesterday, I uh, I had some free time last night, and so I I text Steve and I was, hey, what are you doing, man? You want to want to do cigars? He goes, yeah, I don't have any. I said, that's fine. I got some. He goes, ah, I don't mind bumming cigars. I go, you gave them to me. <laughs> so I, I brought the cigars. Was that the over. picture that I saw you guys last <laughs> yeah, night? Yeah. So I brought it over. So we're sitting there talking about shit, and I'm just like thinking about nuclear weapons all of a sudden, and I'm thinking I'm gonna ask Steve. I bet Steve knows. Dude, he gave me like a whole fucking lesson <laughs> oh. on how a nuclear weapon works. What is what's going on? How it Steve Janky is to to <laughs> nuclear weapons what Ab Adam Hamilton is to theology. That's right. No matter what you throw at him, you can be like, "Damn, boy has got an answer that's good to everything." <laughs> Jonathan and Grant were both giving me a bunch of crap on the winery on Friday, just about, they were like, he was running circles around you guys. I was like, Oh, trust me. We knew it. We were just blown away. <laughs> well, today I'm, I'm real excited to have you guys with me for yeah. a conversation about navigating uh, heartache, navigating career, navigating sex, navigating transition, you know, middle age, you know, all of us oh, yeah. are close. Steve's the young one in the group here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're, most of us are, you know, navigating, well, all of us have navigated through, you know, divorce and, you know, dating after divorce. And I think, you know, I look back on when we say life is a journey, it, it, it's about navigating. It's about navigating that journey. You know, how do you navigate? Do you, do you handle it? Do you not handle it? You know, um, I've known of a lot of people that after divorce, they lose their shit, you know, and go buck, buck crazy. Um, and that was one of the, because uh, I had a couple friends that did that. They actually went really nuts. And that was a helpful thing for me to see because I thought, you know, you're not going to be like that. No, I'm, I don't want to make some of those same mistakes. I don't want to run on and get married too quick. I, you know, there's several things I didn't want to do because I saw it not work with my friends. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So navigating heartbreak. Have you ever had heartbreak? Lance? Never. No one's ever broken my heart. <laughs> well, we should have had all the women that you broke their hearts have you them know, on the show. You know, I will say, I, I, I'm not the breaker upper. I don't, mm. I don't know that that I look back on any situation that I can remember. Maybe one or two, but literally one or two, where I actually was the one that was like, "Hey, we need to have a chat." You know, I'm not feeling it or whatever. Like. I, this is kind of where I was going earlier. I feel like I'd have to think back to what my, my system was, but I feel like I did such a good job on the front end in the discovery phase that when I met someone, if there wasn't a romantic or a physical connection, I, we developed a friendship out of it. Like there was an, you know what I mean? And some of them just kind of fizzled off a little bit, but, but a lot of friendships came out of things that I had like that. But 
that doesn't really answer your question. I, yeah, I don't, I mean, have you had your heart broken? Oh, I've, I've to totally had my heart broken. I mean, you know, to the place where I felt like, like, this is it. I'll never meet anyone yeah. else again. And was and your first uh, divorce as heartbreaking as the second or was the second more heartbreaking? Or were they equally? For different reasons. I think my first was heartbroken because I was breaking up my family. That was very important uh, to me. Yeah. And, and two, I had set out to make, you know, a commitment that we were, we, we'd been married for 16 years. And so to know that you, that you didn't have what it took. And I knew that I caused a lot of the problems that, that, you know, this was a significant, this wasn't just like, you know, we got out and, you know, I couldn't hit the baseball over the, the home run fence and I just kept trying or something, you know, it's like, yeah. this was like, these are serious life matters. I mean, let me back up a little bit. You know, when I went to the pastorate, I, when I, I had to leave the, let me back up further. Sorry. My mind's just going a little crazy here. I didn't feel like I could find any direction really in life at all. Meaning just, I wasn't that great at school. I wasn't really landing on anything from a career perspective or anything. And then I started to kind of find my groove a little bit. And then I started to think, man, I really like the idea of teaching and just building into other people and things like that. So that's when I went to the ministry, right? So all these years of me figuring out, thinking I didn't have, you know, I couldn't really find myself, finally found my my niche, felt like I felt like this is something that I can get behind and my life could, you know, count for something. And then my marriage falls apart and I have to end up leaving the pastorate. Oh. And I felt like all that just got taken out from underneath me all because I didn't have what it took to keep my relationship or my marriage intact. That was heartbreaking to me because I'm the guy that prides myself on the fact that if, if I'm going to take it on as a challenge, I'm going to, I'm going to win at it. Yeah. You know, I'll figure it out some way. Um, I rarely get in. It's not that I'm just like, well, I don't feel like I can win at that. So I'm not going to try. I, I try lots of things, but sure. I just feel like I have enough confidence in myself and my abilities to be able to pull some, something off or to yeah. think through it. The fact that I, didn't feel like that I, I missed it on my marriage that, and then got the pastor taken away from me and had to reset. That was, that was incredibly heartbreaking to yeah. me. Yeah. Is that your earliest memory of, of a heartbreak that really hit you good? The reason mm, why you're thinking, question. so my first heartbreak that I, that I, outside of, you know, girls, friends that broke up with me in elementary school, I mean, that was sad, right? My first real experience with heartbreak was when I got kicked out of Bible college. Hmm. For drinking a wine cooler. So you're not talking about romantic yeah. heartbreak, but just just any, yeah, any sort of thing. life setback. Going yeah. into pastorate, I was yeah. licensed by the oh, assemblies of God. Yeah. And the fucker that that ratted me out, I'm just going to his name is Van Mitchell. That was Fuck his name. Guy. Really? The guy, he, he ratted me out and he was fucking his girlfriend. Mm. And he was going to the school too. And that was illegal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she got pregnant. So he hurried up oh. and married her because God said to hurry up and marry her. Wow. And then eight months later, she had a baby early Uh oh! <laughs> and he it, finished school and graduated, but he ratted me out, told the, the dean yeah. that I had had a wine cooler. Oh, it may have oh helped. I mean, his dad was on staff. He was a professor. Uh, so that might've helped too. Okay. Yeah. So okay. that was my, that was my first heartbreak. I similar to what you were saying is that it broke my heart. Now I did it. I mean, it was me. Yeah. I knew the rules. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to drink. Um, what, so, when you say it was heartbreak, what what was the heartbreak failure i failed failed in here what i am my call to be a pastor oh, right and i fucked it up you realize that you know it's interesting i watch these shows on these guys who uh 
you know, they, they prey on these young kids or whatever, you know? And so they got them on video, right? And they, and they, Oh shit. Yeah. I've seen that. It's, it's, I'm always just blown away at that moment that they realize they've been caught. And it's like, this ain't just, you're going to get a ticket. This is like, your life is over. Yep. And it's, you, you just, you, it's just, it's, it's a weird dynamic. You can see it on their disposition that it's like at that moment. And that's, and I think they have all of a sudden an instant, they're suicidal all of a sudden, like they literally would shoot themselves. Yes. Yeah. And, and I wasn't obviously suicidal, but I think that, that was the moment that I felt it's any of those moments where you, you look back and you're like, man, I, it, it's not a surprise to you. It all unfolds the past right before your eyes. Yeah. And you know why you're standing there yeah. without clothes on before the emperor. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was standing in front of the, the emperor was naked. Though. <laughs> oh, was that what it is? <laughs> what about you? Well, that's Jerry? because I, I was mean, the emperor, Steve. Yeah, that's just, my point. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I mean, you went through a divorce. What was that like navigating through that? Well, I'll tell you what, first of all, <clears throat> I was kind of the opposite of you, Lance. Really? Because I really truly thought that the couple that goes to church together stays together oh. and we didn't. Yes. And so for the longest time, I thought, what could I have done differently? We didn't go to church together. We didn't pray together. We didn't, we weren't that spiritual. And if we'd have had a little bit more of that connection, could we have made it through some things? Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't try counseling, you know, probably the writing was on the wall when we were dating early on because we dated, we broke up, we dated, we broke up, we oh, lived together, volatile. we broke up. I mean, after about the fourth time that you date and break up, <laughs> there was a sign on the wall. You now, know, how old were you then during this? Well, life? here's the thing, too, because I was living in Dallas and I was living in Dallas. I got out of college in 88. So I went to Dallas in, in the height of, of, good times dallas cowboys are winning super bowls oh, yeah. you could buy ecstasy and a beer at the bar <laughs> i mean times were good in dallas and i ran around with a group of guys that were just really great successful somewhat successful guys but as we got older everybody started kind of marrying off i was 34 years old when i got married had my daughter at thir okay. 37 so it was wow. later on so i felt like i had gotten everything out of my system especially in dallas yeah so the minute we got married i was like if i want to stay married i need to get out of dallas <laughs> so within six months of being married, we moved to Kansas City, back here to my hometown. Let's move up to this podunk town. Right. Nothing to get me in trouble up there in no, Kansas no. City. Devil don't live up here. <laughs> the men's club is not in Kansas City. I will be just fine. Yeah. But no, I, uh, I yeah, I felt like I felt like we. I will never say that it was a mistake because, and Timmy just met my ex-wife last weekend. She's super cool. Because she, we were, she's a great mother, a great woman. We were just terrible spouses and I was just as bad. Sure. You know, that's a 50-50 deal and mm -hmm. she's a, a great woman, but I'll never say that we never should have been married because we have the most gorgeous 17-year-old daughter. I mean, I, you know, I, I wouldn't change anything yeah. ever, yeah. but the writing was on the wall from the get-go. And I, I think maybe if I had to go back and look at it, there are definitely things that I could have done better early on and changed. But, but um, you know, it's funny because when it was too late, it was too late. But I said, let's go to counseling. And she looked at me and she said, there's nothing wrong with me. You go get fixed and come back. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I filed two weeks later. <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you what, I, and I mean this sincerely. It 
thrills my heart to hear you know Jerry say that all his you know faults that he was yeah. the problem you know 50 50 at least yeah for you to say the same thing Steve says it all the time you know this is something I've said in my podcast before it's there's something so frustrating about meeting someone mm-hmm. and you know they've been married four or five times and they're oh. like yeah my my, <laughs> right. my ex-spouse he was a narcissist right all seven of them were fucking narcissists <laughs> really do you think maybe you're a narcissist i i just love that to hear yeah. you guys admit that because i i clearly admit i was the problem right well, I, mean, I think I two i think two things when it comes to an ugly divorce two things are at play ego and and attorneys mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah okay my ex and i by the time we got when, when we got to a point where we filed for divorce, the fighting was already done. It had been done for years. Mm-hmm. There was nothing else to fight about. We rode together to our final divorce <laughs> uh, proceedings with the judge. Yeah, yeah and, and drive my wife to my divorce. <laughs> <laughs> we literally sat in the back of the courtroom laughing, and I said to her, I leaned over, and I said, you want to go back in the men's bathroom? We'll knock one out one last time before, before we're divorced. Hey, before it's bust, sinful? She bust, she bust out laughing and turned around. And everybody in the courtroom turned around and looked. But I think, I think if you remove the ego, and you don't get two attorneys involved that are butting heads and have to feel the need to win. Sure. It, now, you know, if it's not fixable, it's not fixable. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't have to be ugly. And then if you have children, you just got to focus on the kids. That is the most important thing is mm-hmm. what's best for them at the end of the day. It, yeah. it, nothing else matters. And not a shit sandwich that I wouldn't eat during that time just to make sure that my daughter sure. was going to come out of this as best she could because there's no way to come out of that unscathed i mean yeah. you know it's it's going to happen these kids are going to have they're going to have trauma yeah. they're going to have ptsd yeah. after a divorce but you can minimize it yeah well, and there's no there's no doubt about it i i've i've in the relationship coaching realm that i work in i try so hard to make sure that each partner doesn't speak evil of the other yeah and and because that's all ego and pride and arrogance that that even if it's true what you're saying that does so much damage to the to the children Uh, not to mention so many other things that i believe in about you know being negative Mm -hmm. like that Um, one thing is about the kids one thing that i learned about myself that you guys were jerry you said something reminded me of it i remember a friend of ours said to me you've been given all the signs and it's like the house is, and I couldn't understand why my ex wasn't trying to work on it. you like, we're in that stage, you know? And she said, what you don't realize is that the house is completely burned down and it's nothing but ashes on the ground. And here you come running up the street with a small bucket of water saying, I'm going to put the fire out. And it's yeah. like, it's, and I, what I realized about myself at that point was, there's probably a better term for it, but I've always called it the I'm a high price tag person. And I've tried to change that. And what I mean by that is I did you didn't get my attention until the price tag was very high. And 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 when you lead to the point of heartbreak, right? It's like that's the point that I was talking about, that moment that you it clicks for you. It's like you've been given all the clues up to that point, but you didn't dial it in and correct it until the heist the price tag got high, i.e. I'm going to divorce you. That's when I come running up the street with the bucket of water saying, Oh, okay. let's go to oh, counseling yeah. or whatever. Right. And yeah. it's like, I'm done at that point. And I had, and I don't know what that was about me 
that was like that, but I had to realize that I had to tune in much quicker. I try to do that better with Michelle in that as soon as I hear something that's a little bit of a trigger, like, you know, you're, you're hanging out with Timmy too much, or you're trying to grow mustache like Timmy or no, I'm just, <laughs> but something, you know, like, that, really? <laughs> no, but something that she, you know, that something she's alerting me to the fact that, you know, like, Hey, you know, maybe you don't read tonight. We hang out, or maybe you don't go to the podcast or, you know, right. something that I'm just dialing in or trying to pick up on the fact that is she's giving me a signal that, Hey, I'm not tuned in as much as I need to, yeah. as opposed to just letting it go on and on and on and on. And then, and then thinking that you're right. And then it all blows up. And then the price tag finally gets high that I think a lot of guys are like that. And I think if you don't realize that you're like that, you're going to get yourself into problems. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the key right would be to listen to to genuinely be listening to your partner, and if they're saying something, because I I mean, we've all experienced that, right? I mean it's it's the it's the you, you've mentioned it, and and then they you know it's like telling your kids take the trash right. out every Friday, right? And for two weeks they do it, right? And then they kind of forget, right. right? And you're trying to cash in on the fact that you're married and you'll never get divorced, or right. she's never going to leave me. Yeah. And, and you're with the funds are whittling away. The emotional funds are whittling away and you have no idea that, yeah. you know, and sometimes it's, you know, I know my personality in the past. Now I'm different. Now the old me, I'd him haw around or hint about it. Like I would drop hints of what I'm not liking. Oh, you're bidding. And, and you're, I'm hope I'm bidding. Yeah. I'm, bidding, I'm hoping really? that they're going to pick up what I'm putting down. Yeah. And, and then they don't. And then right. resentment builds. And yes, like, I've been dropping you hints that I wanted this, this, That's and this. That's the key, man. You, you got to have a yeah. good bidding radar. If you're so, not, yeah. that you're not going to be successful. Now I write it on a big sign. I want <laughs> blowjobs every week. <laughs> how did you misread the post-it note? <laughs> I'm, I'm curious how I'm curious how janky bids because you have you have such kind of a quirky kind of humor a little bit. Do you feel like? You've been successful at bidding. He reaches for the <laughs> He grabs the bottle of bourbon. <laughs> or do you feel Sorry. like that's uh, that's something that you struggled with? What are we bidding on? Because <laughs> <laughs> I killed it bidding on options today. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, you know what? I mean, oh Jesus Christ! I'll tell you what. I mean, my my heartbreak story is different. I did not. My my divorce was a rough two weeks. Mm, well, that's nice. But my heart broke in 2017 when I was driving home from work one day and I realized, holy shit, is this my life? I'll just keep doing this and then I'll die one day and just mm, be done with it. You know, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, as long as as far as like asking for, you know, bids at, you know, going for the ask, I'm a big fan of grown up words, you know? Right. I mean, after after my marriage. Yeah, that's the only way I communicate anymore. I mean, we're, we're just going to do grown up words. You know, I mean, what I'm, do you mean by grown up words? Say the fuck Talk me. Straight. Well, I, I know you say <laughs> that, but I guess in some ways I'm like, I don't even know that we're wired as humans like that, meaning that I don't necessarily know that I'm the way that I I'm trying to think of how to say this, the way that I bid, it's not necessarily that I've thought through it real well. And it's like, oh, I'm in need of this. Therefore, I'm going to ask for it. It usually just comes out maybe as a response to something that triggered me. You know what I'm saying? Well, sure. I'll, I'll tell you what I think. I think personality, Timmy hit on it. And I think you just hit on it. Also, when you talk about like my wife and I, we were two personalities in that 
I'm the person that if we got into an argument, we're going to work it out right now. We're not, we're not leaving here. Like that we're going to battle it out. We're going to work it out. And she said, just let it go. Leave me alone. And I wouldn't, and I would push and push and push. And I'll tell you what happens is when you push enough to somebody that just wants to walk away and doesn't want to fight over something, sometimes you push to a point where they say things that they can't take back. That's right. They take, they mm-hmm. say things that, point. that are, you know, in, in my marriage of 18 years i never once said i want a divorce until i said it one time Mm -hmm. in my marriage of 18 years she said to me probably five or six times i want a divorce didn't mean it a couple of those times but i pushed her to a point yeah with having we're going to work this out right now when if i'd have just let her go go in the other room let it cool off and what was a minor thing turned out to be a blowout thing right and then when they say something you can't take those words back yeah yeah well and that's why i like the big the big boy words you know the grown-up words you know i mean my my, my most successful relationship since my divorce has been with a um polymer engineer <laughs> a what a what a polymer engineer <laughs> what a, what is that a paul what polymer a plastics, polymer plastics a plastics oh engineer. my goodness I, oh an engineer like oh. Our, our like minds click you know and i mean she called me up one day she was all like upset because like I, I don't know why but I, I finally said listen are you trying to vent or do you want an answer from me mm-hmm. you know and she's like well i want an answer from you and i was like okay well i got no fucking idea what you're talking about so can i call <laughs> you back in two hours i'll process this you know Ooh, okay. and yeah that's two good hours, yeah. you know and, I and mean, probably it, fixed it, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, it's my buddy Sam. You know, I mean, Hell yeah. yeah, I mean, she's my ween man. She's my goose. You know, I mean, okay. it didn't work out romantically because I mean, <laughs> fuck, we're both freaks of nature. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I think it's just finding that someone you can communicate with. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, one thing my my marriage did teach me is I can't fix shit. You know, I mean, I can be like, are you, are you just wanting to vent? And if they're just wanting to vent, then, you know, I'll hang out and listen and, and go on my merry fucking way. You know I mean? Cause I'm a fixer. I mean, anybody that knows, well, me sure. knows, you know, I like to fix shit. I like to get in hands in. I like to understand how things work and all that stuff, you know, but finally I had to realize like most people don't want Steve Janky fixing them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, Jerry, I, I find myself, I'm wondering if this is the same for you. I don't see this in you, Timmy, I, but I see this in Jerry and I, my intensity wasn't my, was my friend in some, some areas of life, but it wasn't in sometimes relationally that I, and, and here's my question for you. When you, when you pushed, I could see you also coupled with your intensity that becomes a lot to handle. Right. And then, but I guess my question for you is I know the reason for me and I'll, I'll ask you the question by maybe helping you understand from my perspective. Whenever I push, because I'm the same way, I don't want to let the situation die. I learned about myself that I'm scared that they will walk away from me. And, and the emotional connection is right there in my hands and I need to get it back at that moment. And it's hard for me to let her walk away and go cool off because I feel like, uh Oh, I don't know what's going to be going on in her mind. And I'm going to control the situation by getting us reconnected emotionally right here and now. And what that does then turns out to be a problem because I'm end up pushing her away further. Is, does that resonate at all with you? Well, without a doubt. I mean, I, not just her, but anybody that knows me well would say I'm a control freak. Okay. Mm-hmm. It took me a lot of counseling 
to get to that point where I can admit, yes, I, I, I want to control my environment. There's certain things you can't control. And when she and I would, would get into it, I wanted to control it. We're going to work it out and we're going to get it done right here and now. But you, you hit the nail on the head. I didn't want her walking away and, and letting that stew. There was a chance she's going to walk away and it yeah. wasn't that big a deal. And, and a couple, you know, in a couple hours she's let it go, or there's a chance that she didn't, and it's going to stew and it's going to stew and it's going to, it's going to blow up at a later point. I found myself more worried, like you said, after my daughter was born because mm. when my b- before my daughter was born the only, the most important person in this world was me i mean i mm. was you know I, I don't i don't know if the word narcissist is the right word but i was absolutely you were selfish maybe i was selfish i was right about everything right I, and that's why i said it takes two i was absolutely 50% and, and at times probably even more so in in the downfall of our marriage but i i once my daughter was born the, the only thing that mattered in this world was my daughter and when we would get into something that was really ugly i mean one of those once or twice a year where mm-hmm. you know this could be it mm-hmm. i would lose it because i was like start thinking about okay mm-hmm. i know how this is going to go when mm-hmm. she says i want a divorce get out I know who's getting out and I know who's going to see their kids on Wednesdays and every other weekend. Right. And I'm holding this literally baby. Right. And I'm thinking, no, this, this is the most important thing in my life. Now we're going to work this thing out Mm -hmm. right now. So I saw a big change when my daughter was born more so than before my daughter was born, but absolutely. I was always afraid, not always afraid, but I wanted to work it out for selfish reasons. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I wanted to work, always work it out so that she and I could be compatible. I wanted to work it out because I didn't want to lose what was most important to you. I didn't, I didn't want to lose what was most important to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, I definitely, for, it was the break in the connection. Like if you're okay, I'm okay. Mm. You know, like we're like, if you're okay, I'm okay. And then we're okay Mm. together. And so I didn't like any kind of disruption, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to the point of, I would let things go for peace. Like I'm thinking in my mind, I shouldn't bring this up. Ah, no, mm. I don't want to fight. You know, I don't mm. want to, I don't want to, or be told I'm wrong or be told yeah. I shouldn't be thinking that, yeah. or, you know, whatever. So it was like, you just kind of go, ah, uh, and you weigh it in your own mind. Of course, that's not good, but you weigh it out in your own mind and think, ah, is this worth it? Do I even want to mm. mention this? Nah, it's no big deal. And then, you know, my personality is of course that kept going in the backpack and then pretty soon the backpack's really oh, right, heavy right and then it's not good so know? when you so you brought up at the beginning of this conversation you know have any of us had our our hearts broken what where were you you seen there seemed to be more behind that question than we've kind of gone down that path what where were you going with that a little bit yeah just the when i think about what were the things that you guys did that you felt helped you navigate through heartbreak yeah. like when i got kicked out of bible college uh, I came back home and I interned with a church uh, to kind of get reaffirmed in my, yeah. in my, yeah. what the, this calling, right. Yeah. That God called me into the ministry and here I can't even make it through Bible school, mm-hmm. you know, and I got kicked out all this stuff. So it, it, it was a really difficult time, but there, I, you know, I came back and went in yes. you know, and I went straight into an internship and I got right up next to a, a, a youth pastor and, he worked, you know, like, mm-hmm. so 
when I got divorced, that was the worst heartbreak ever, but I went straight, you know, counseling and straight into reading books. I had no TV for the first seven months after my divorce. So I was, I just, you know, I ate really clean. I kept up my, you know, all my daily routines. It was very important for me to navigate through it, be in charge yeah. rather than just F this blah, 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 and start mm-hmm. drinking and start mm-hmm. partying and start, you know what I mean? Like, cause I had friends that did that when they got divorced, they went batshit crazy. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so I just, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to, I didn't want to revel in the heartbreak. I wanted to navigate that yeah. heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's really, you know, for all the listeners that are experiencing heartbreak, <laughs> will experience heartbreak or have, um, you know, being able to understand. I mean, a lot of people, I got emails from people that listen to our podcast and they're like, Hey, we're going through a divorce and your podcast has been so helpful, all that stuff. So that's really what was more on my mind is just thinking about how each of us navigated through our own heartbreak throughout our lives um, and how it helped us and and how we could, you know, talk yeah. about it. I, I think for when I look back on the times that I, you know, went a little batshit crazy from my perspective emotionally, if I just could have realized and controlled my emotions more, mm-hmm. man, I, I just, it would have made all the difference in the world. You know what I mean? Because I end up ruining a bad situation. It was already a bad situation, but I could have probably turned it around a few times and made it better. But because of me not being able to manage myself internally, yeah. it just turned into a disaster. Yeah. Yeah, so we're we're back. <laughs> we got we got to get, get Janky involved here. Sponsored by Viagra. We're letting him off the hook. <laughs> yeah, we well, do. Well, I guess let's. So I think the answer is almost in the question. Rather than just going through heartbreak, it's uh-huh. about navigating through the heartbreak. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really the kind of the answer. But yeah, I mean, what were some key things that you did, Steve, yeah. after your divorce that helped you? Not just go into a like a massive state of depression and and all yeah. that. Good lord. Well, uh, and and I'll throw in to get to what you you just went through over the weekend or so is that when you weren't in a relationship, you made your uh, uh, not your pros and cons, but your oh, negotiables. And yeah, negotiables and negotiables. Like, that's that list for you tonight. Real all right. Oh, but yeah. I do think that I do think that's an important <laughs> thing to get to. So anyway, Ed, whatever you're going to say, I want you to get to that. Well, I mean. The first thing I had to realize. Gingers are on the non-negotiable list? What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, the, the first thing I had to realize is, you know, you know, and I, I have a more Eastern spiritual practice, you know, and I've, I've had it for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something like I picked up since my divorce, you know I mean? But um, bad shit doesn't happen to me. Uh, bad shit does not happen. Unfortunate stuff happens and I get caught up in it. All right. I looked it up during the break. There's 2.4 million divorces a year in the United States of America. All right. I don't give a fuck about any of them, but one. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. <laughs> right. All right. And then I just, you know, when, when all this stuff hit me though, like I, I started reaching out. I mean, my default is if I don't know what the fuck to do, I find people that do, you know, so I reached out to friends and I reached out to professional help and, you know, it, that's it, when I met you. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah, when, when you first got divorced, I'm curious, did, was your first instinct that something, I, something was wrong with me or you didn't, you didn't do enough or something, or was your initial like, 
I, I think that tells a lot about a person. Huh. For me, I know immediately is I don't feel like I've got what it takes sometimes. And so if something goes wrong, I go to me, I'm like, okay, what doesn't Lance have? Is that how you feel or do you, or you, you think about it? I'm talking about the moment that it happens. What's the first instinct that you have? Well, I mean, my first instinct is always going to be, where did I fuck up? <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. I like so the humble heart, not they fucked up. Yeah. What they do yeah. wrong. Yeah. Dude, there's four pillars of Steve, you know, they're on the backside of negotiables, non-negotiables. Okay. And okay. the fourth one is I'm probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love well, that. and, and I don't, I don't want to take distract from you, but, but I will say that that sounds like I'm coming from a healthy place. Cause I'm similar. I looked at myself to say, what did I do wrong? But I can tell you that that probably stems from my mother putting doubt in me that I didn't have what it took. She, I've mentioned this before. My yes, mom would did. always say, you know, are you sure that she loves you as much as you love her? Or, you know, going to school, are you sure you're going to be able to keep up the grace? My mom thought she was protecting me. What Lance heard was you don't have what it takes and you're going to mess this up. Okay. Real so, quick though. Real quick though. All right. Let, let's look at this. Let's look at this. Okay. If the problem is with Lance and Lance is going to mess this up, who can fix that? Lance. Are right, the problems with school or if the problem is with my your spouse not or my spouse in my case? All right. If the problem's with someone else, who can fix that? Not Lance. All right. I can't fix a fucking thing when it comes to other people, institutions, True. things, or anything like that. All right. So I have invested interest when I have heartache, when things come my way that are um unfortunate, not bad, unfortunate. Yeah. All right? I have invested interest in saying, What the fuck did I do? Yeah. All right? yeah. I, I'll be God. I'll be God honest, man. When I told my wife, when my wife told me that she were getting divorced, and I asked her why. She's told me it was none of my fucking business. All right, my therapist had a fucking heyday with that. She's like, "You're fucking feeding me a line of shit," you know. I had to find like bring emails and text messages and all that stuff, you know. And she was like, "Fuck," <laughs> you know. And I was like, "You know what, dude? Who cares? Mm -hmm. You know, I I can pick me apart better than anyone else out there. You know, I'm a pretty introspective." guy you know yeah and i'm pretty fucking hard on myself you know but if the problem is me i can fix that yeah you know i mean yeah. so when i got my divorce i mean i went out and i fucking went headhunting you know i said what where'd i fuck up mm -hmm. you know i mean my divorce was you mean asking other people yeah i'd ask other people i'd ask my ex i'd ask anyone i mean fuck mm -hmm. it's open season on steve the times you've ever been like you know at a church service or a great conference and you think and rather than really receiving everything about that you think oh man if lance was here he'd really get a lot out of that oh right lance mm -hmm. needs to hear this yes. my ex needs to hear yes. this I, when i read that book who this book this wasn't for me this was for my ex yeah she needs to read it or he needs yeah. to read it i or, drove by a church swear last year drove by a church and on the sign it said, there is a God, you are not it. Yep. And I thought, well, shit, if I'd have saw that six years ago, <laughs> I might still be married. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's the truth, though. Yes. But I think, I think Steve brings up a great point. It's about being introspective and, and, and really genuinely, it's just, and I think we all know this. I think most people know this. That this is the way to be, which is to not be a blamer. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you know why did this happen? Well, the sales department didn't do this or this. Yeah. You know, you know, my ex didn't. If they would have done this, then I would have done this and it would have been better. 
And it's all about blaming others rather than really looking in the mirror and really taking a, a hard, honest look. And, and one of the things, at, because I work as a, as a coach, you know, I'll meet with couples and, and sometimes they'll say, Hey, we want to do a couple sessions together and then a couple sessions separately. Mm -hmm. And it's just fascinating. Yeah. Right. You know, she's seeing all the problems with him and then I meet with him. He's seen the problems with her. Mm -hmm. Neither one of them is aware of their right. own issues. Right. And, and I, and I know it's tough, you know, we talk about confirmation bias. I mean, confirmation bias within ourselves is ridiculous. Yes. And so it, it is hard to be able to say like what you guys have said, which is again, why you're even at the table. I just love your all's hearts because being able to, to genuinely talk about a divorce or even a, a job loss and be able to say, you know, I just wasn't performing. I wasn't able to sell. I wasn't as sold out on the product or yeah. like being honest yeah. rather than, yeah, the company's hard. They, it's hard to work for a company that doesn't have their shit together. Yeah. I could have done well. If they, but, but, but. It, and it's like, well, so you're just a fucking perfect person. Well, and I think that's just changing the narrative, right? Like we see it as, especially the male species, we, we struggle because we feel like we've not gotten what it takes to get it done. And so it looks like we're lesser than or weaker than we are yeah. as opposed to just, yeah, I know I got let go from sales. And I realized after that I wasn't cut out for sales. I'm more cut out for engineering or something, you know, but, but we rarely do that introspective piece to know. And so, and it's, I can tell you, man, if you want to know something, if you want to know an attractive quality about a person, whether you're a male to male and you're straight or female, whatever, you you find someone that's been introspective and they've dug into themselves and they know themselves like there's no greater treat than being able to be with that type of a person. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times we just don't spend the time being introspective enough. We end up spending the time trying to protect ourselves psychologically and emotionally yes. to convince ourselves that we're not we're OK. We're OK. We're not weak. We're not deficient or whatever the case may be but that we've got what it takes, but I'm going to offload that, that, uh, off on someone else. And the reason that I failed. Yeah. Well, I mean, Grant Wood, the therapist yeah. that's on the podcast, uh, Peckers, well, four guys in a bottle of scotch, right. Jerry's in place of Grant yeah. today, but Grant, yeah, Grant, <laughs> you know, Grant said something about that when couples come to his office as a licensed family counselor, they'll come to the office to find out who's at fault. Mm -hmm. and he's like it's not you it's not you it's you know yeah it's, i mean it's both of right you. it's but both of you are at fault but there's the dance that you're doing together yeah. you know so it's there's there's you there's me and then there's the relationship yeah you know and so just well the I, system Jerry, that you created between yourselves i think is that right. i described it exactly and we need to break that system down and understand and how why. yeah well i mean jerry said it himself you know it, it his his wife is a his ex-wife's a great woman he's a great guy they just weren't great as a couple yeah in other yeah. words as individuals they were they were good i mean think about this i was thinking about this while we were chatting during break about uh when you don't match with someone we were offline you guys missed some of the the most off the cuff yeah. conversations <laughs> when we turned the mics off but oh, one of the things we can, we can sell subscriptions <laughs> to the mic off yeah, we, i don't even want to say what would happen but anyway <laughs> um something you guys were talking about about uh you know being able to have a good relationship with someone and i was thinking about kissing how mm. 
I'm, I'm Timmy. I kiss like I kiss. I mean, I, there's one kiss the way I kiss, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but with one girl, it doesn't go so well. Right. She got a I'm, small mouth or something. Teeth or, yeah. you know, it's just like, it's not going well. Yeah. She's not meeting me or I'm, well, I'm not meeting her. Right. Yeah. I always say, well, I'm right. a good kisser. Maybe right. she's a good kisser a good and point. I'm not. Yeah, that's a good point. So, but what I've learned is everybody kisses like they kiss, but the different girls that I've kissed, which I've only kissed a couple in my whole life. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when I kiss a girl, some kisses are holy moly. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I do know what you mean. You just kiss good. Trust me, I got married off yeah. of a kiss. I've told you that before. But then, if you, I mean, if you guys ever had those kisses that you're like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're thinking because you know that's how you think. At least yeah. I do. I'm like thinking, I'm a good kisser. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing, girl? Have like, you ever kissed? This is just a total random. Have you yeah. ever kissed to someone that that to your mouth they've got a real small mouth? It's a weird feeling. Yeah. No, I, I can tell. The, no, no, I have. Yeah, because when you I do, honestly thought you were gonna say, "Have you ever kissed with a mustache?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Lance, I've already told you I'm straight, bro." <laughs> All right, so y'all have yes. dated an Italian woman. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a great that's a great um, question, and yes, I have. She just didn't open her mouth very wide. I'm like, what? Like, how am yeah. I going to kiss her? Can we do a kiss? Yeah, that's what I felt like. I'm like, but maybe they they were wide open. I don't know, but yeah. it's an awkward feeling. It is. Okay. Because so most kisses don't, most kisses go pretty normal. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're a great kisser, but. Or her, but, tongue, <laughs> her, her, her tongue had a seizure and it's like, slow down in there. Yes. Right? Yes, yes. That kiss where they're yeah. just like throwing their tongue everywhere. Like okay, a what? hobo on a ham sandwich. It's going everywhere. It's like, let's just slow down. Let's get some chemistry here. But I'll tell you what, a kit, like you said, Lance, a kiss can either make it or break it. Oh, totally. There's not a second date if you don't feel it on the kiss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you could talk. I mean, you can get to know somebody and, yeah, I, I, you know, we have some differences. Let's see if there's a yeah. chemistry there, but you either feel it or you don't on that first kiss. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, here's what else is fascinating about a, about a kiss. We're supposed to be kissing on the first date. Oh, you know, that's under debate, right? That's under yeah. debate. I've, I've had those where I felt the moment. I'm like, the end of the date, I'm like, there's, the, I feel it. I'm feeling it, you know? Yeah. And, and, well, and that's had, why you do a happy hour date and not a coffee date. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's a good point. You know I always what? do dates with booze. Uh, that's no, a good point. Stacy uh, Weimer uh, of the Man Shopping Podcast also, she said the same thing. She prefers happy hour because. That way, she can get at least one glass of wine, kind of loosen relax, up a little bit, up a little bit, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, she said some interesting stuff in the podcast that'll come out Wednesday um, about that whole dynamic from a woman's perspective. What she's thinking about: Does she want that first kiss? What is she thinking mm. going into the first date? Has she prepped herself for the date? You know what I mean? Like that. It was. It's a. It was a fascinating yeah. conversation because I, for me, the kiss. Not that it's a deal breaker, but I've had girls that I maybe I wasn't as attracted to them, mm. but when we kissed, wow. Mm. I mean, it lit me up. I mean, it, she could just kiss. And then there's other times people, you know, really attractive women and, and they're just like open their mouth as wide as they can yeah, and just wiggle their tongue all over the place. And it's like going <laughs> up my nostrils and in my mouth. And I'm like, what the hell's happening right now? My high school sweetheart, and I would love to mention her name, but I'm not going to. Um, 
She is married to a Backstreet Boy. I will say that. Um, so my high school sweetheart, uh, it took us a while to learn to kiss mm-hmm. um, because she just opened her mouth all the way open and literally kept her tongue in her mouth, but moved it around. What? Yeah, it was the it was the oddest thing. Hmm. Um, you know, we a, grew out. I mean, she yeah. that you know we learned to kiss together better yeah. later. But uh, you know, I mean, we were young. I mean. She was 17, 18. I was 17, 18. You know, so it's just, I remember it distinctly because it was just a very odd kiss. Let, let me try to get this thing back up on the, the pavement. Um, <laughs> good luck. I saw but, how much Rory put that glass. <laughs> but I feel like there's a lot of, I feel like there's, I guess my question is how much of attraction, what's the percentage of attraction you need to have in order for you then to develop the rest of it? Do we go into dating thinking if it's not, if they're not wowing me and it's a 90 to 95%, because if not, I just go back home and pull out the app and I start flipping through other ones. But besides, you know, like there, you can't, I guess my point is, you can't be like at 20% expect that you're going to grow 80% and this it's going to be awesome. Yeah. There's yeah. got to be a certain level where it's like we had about 70 to 75% and it was there, but we grew into that last 25 or 30% and we are a hundred now and just rocking it. But I think a lot of times we end up making a mistake and moving on past certain individuals that might've been a great match because we expected a 90, 95% score to come back on the first kiss when maybe it was only a 70. So yeah, go ahead. Lance, I think you, you just nailed something, you know, after being divorced for six years, I am sure that there have been at least five women that I've met that could have led to something that could have been mm-hmm. lifetime. Had I had the right expectations, mm-hmm. I came out of a divorce and Every, I, you know, I, I'll admit it. Every single woman that I went out with, I compared them to my ex-wife. Right. Okay. Now there's a reason why we were divorced, right? From a, from a standpoint of personality, it wasn't working out, but every single woman that, uh, that I went out with early on, I just critiqued what, what they yeah. wore, how they talked, their personality, yeah. their sense of humor, their education, you know, their feet. Oh, did they have all their teeth? <laughs> <laughs> Feed anti. Now that's what happens when you speed date at John Knox. <laughs> but, or in France. But I, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You know, I did grow up in Lee Summit, <laughs> but, but, I, but I did, but I did not have a realistic expectation yeah. because when I met my wife for the first time in Dallas, the sparks flew on the first date. And then we saw each other literally every day for a month and it was quick and and it was fast. And so I think, I think maturity also, I think it's, we were talking about this off break. It's so much different when you're divorced at 40 or 50 Mm -hmm. than if it were 20 or 30, right? I think with maturity can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. Yeah. Yet 55 trying to meet, the person you think you're going to spend the rest of your life with is a shit show yeah. and it doesn't get any easier in Kansas city. Right. You right. Know, maybe I need to move back to Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> go fucking full circle Dallas, here. Go, go to fucking Venice. <laughs> Seriously. Do you feel like, let me ask you this. I've asked Timmy this before. 
and I mean this honestly, do you feel like you put too much emphasis on your reflection as the image that you, let me, how do I say this? You have a certain image or story that you're telling yourself that you are. I'm this successful, you know, businessman, entrepreneur. I'm a great dad. All the stories that we've were that you're telling yourself, I'm a great dresser, things like that. Do you feel like the woman is a reflection on who you are? And so therefore you put too much emphasis on things that maybe aren't, shouldn't be scored as high for a long lifelong compatible partner partner for Jerry and because you want to walk into Capitol Grill and all your buddies be like, oh, I knew it. He was gonna, he was gonna land the hot one, as opposed to walking in with the right one and saying, damn, they've got a connection that I wish I had. Damn it, Lance. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't leave us alone. Yeah, Lance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just guilty of it, and I am guilty of it to the tenth degree. But how many guys are listening right yes. now that are going, "That's me." Yeah. yeah, I want the hottie on my arm. I don't care if there's a connection. When I walk in the door, it's all about me. And you know what? The, the, that's the thing is when you can when you can back away and separate what you think. I don't know if the deserve is the word. I mean, I got all, I got mm. a lot of buddies that date really, really attractive women uh -huh. and they're not happy right? because it's just, you know, the, you know, they're dating women half their age because it's the hottie on their arm when they walk into Capitol Grill and everybody goes, good Lord, look at her. Right. But right. You can't have a conversation. I'm 55 years old. I can't, right. Right. I can't, <laughs> well, we didn't talk about the Kardashians. No, no. I can't have a conversation with a 25 year old. Yeah. You know, we're driving down the road and a song comes on. I'm like, oh my God, it's one of my favorite songs in, in, in yeah. college. And she's like, I've never heard that yeah. group in my life. Yeah. You know, you ask somebody where they were when the challenger exploded and they're like, well, was, there a, was there a car crash? A challenger? <laughs> yeah. With, without a doubt. You, you absolutely, you absolutely nailed it. It, 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 it. There is so much more. It's so important to have a connection. But Timmy and I talk about it all the time when yeah. we're out to doing things. You got to have the chemistry yes. and you got to have the connection. Now, God made me the way he made me, right? I I have a chemistry. I mean, I, I have a, 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 I don't know if the certain look is the, the, the way to say it, but there, there are women that I'm attracted to and women that I'm not. Just like there's women that aren't attracted to me. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know, I yeah. asked her out and yeah. we went out one time and she wasn't interested. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm butthurt. Really? Right. right. Yeah. How could you not love How this? How could you right. not? This shit is tight. <laughs> right. This is, this is the, you right. know, this, no, right. it's, it's, it's yeah. all about the connection. And yeah, I am sure that there have been more than one girl that could have been something had, yeah. had I scored it differently. Had I truthfully, like you just put me on the spot, had, had I truthfully not backed away and went, it isn't all about looks and yeah. it isn't all about this. It's about a feeling and maybe it might take more than one date to see if you can get there. Well, that's, you know, so I had just watched a video Lance on this very topic and, and I wrote this down when you were saying this. So there's two different kinds of mentalities that we have. There's a soulmate out there. There's, there's my one true person. Mm -hmm. And then there's this idea of, of a growth mindset. So there's the soulmate and then the growth mindset. The, the growth mindset is um, 
that I'll connect with someone, we'll grow, we'll develop a relationship, I'll learn about them, they'll learn about me, and we'll make this work. In mm -hmm. other words, this, I could make a relationship with any different people if I put the work into it. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I found it fascinating because, yeah, Jerry and I talk about this all the time, that if I, you know, you, you Lance, you asked me a question, which is a, similar to the one that you just asked yeah, uh, Jerry. Yeah, you said okay, Timmy. You have ten points to give. Yeah, that's oh, it. You have ten Lance points to yeah. give. Yep. You ask everyone that. Face, yeah. body, personality. I think that's what you said. Yeah. Uh, face, body, well, personality. Yeah. yeah, it was physical. Yeah, physical. And then uh, style was one. I was yeah. trying. That was what I was trying to figure out. Was what was the weightiest item in your mind? Like, right. kind of, was it? Yeah. Was it style? Was it yeah. looks? Was yeah. it body? And yours was, was personality. Physical. And it's definitely I lean towards the physical. Though, like, style doesn't that I don't I can appreciate style, but me, it's like she's got to be attractive. But what I think is attractive, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't think that. And here's what's weird it's everybody that I think is attractive. I sent you guys, you know, I said, Hey, I have some dates coming up, yeah, here's what do you think about these people or whatever. We, and we rated all of them. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, and Steve thought yeah. one of them was the prettiest of the ones yeah. that I sent. And that's not the one that I find the prettiest. Right. Of the, you know, so right. clearly looks are subjective. You know, they're subjective yeah. depending on, you know, we. You know, I, I could hold up a picture of a woman and you'll be like, hot, hot. Nah, I don't know, you know. Yeah. So, but I, and I've told this to uh, Jerry and I just talked about this. If I could take the a turn down volume thing and turn down the beauty measure, like of what I find to be beautiful. Yeah. Kind of like that movie, shallow how very touching movie. It's a comedy, but it's very touching movie. Jack black's the star of it. And, uh, it's about shallow how, and he falls in love with this woman. Anyway, she, he's blinded to her being obese yeah. and, mm -hmm. uh, he sees her as this thin, thin, beautiful woman. Right. Uh -huh. And, then because because he loved her you know there's the, anyway there was the spell on him but i think it's the same thing that you know i wish that i i wish that looks weren't so important to me but i have you seen i don't the, know how to rewire have you it. seen that uh have any of you guys seen that segment in goodwill hunting where robin williams basically lays out uh it's matt damon but I can't remember what his character's name is in the movie. And he, uh, Will Hunting. Will, oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> duh. <laughs> Thank you. Will the Hunting. Genius. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> and he basically lays out to say, when Will Hunting comes in and they're having this therapy session, right? And Will's meeting with, with Robin Williams. And, and Will, it's, 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 it's the most beautiful scene. You should Google it right now in that. When you hear Robin Williams just flat out bulldoze over Will Hunting emotionally because he's got his priorities wrong, and he's like, you know, he talks about how his wife farted in bed and woke him up, and how he was there. I mean, all the I just I, I I'm gonna go look it up on the break. Yeah, we'll look it up. There's now. this when he describes what he's talking about when he has this connection with the woman. There's nothing in there about the physical, right? And and I, when I heard that, that to me, I was the same way. Like the physical waited a lot for me because you obviously want to be attracted, yeah. but the physical is never going to last. And so how do you make that transition then 
from a 10 or a 12 on a 10 scale to something that's not going to be like that attractive in the long term, but yet end up having what 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 Robin Williams had in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Like, I guess that's my biggest fear is that for men, we set this standard up for ourselves that we're going to set ourselves up for failure in the future. And yeah. so we end up jacking off to pornography or or you know looking at other great looking women out there and thinking I wish that's what I had when all along there's this amazing connection and a satisfaction that you'll never ever taste because you're focused on the wrong thing. You kind of see where I'm going yeah. a little bit I'm like I'm just wondering how you knew I jacked off to porn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's beautiful. And I'm I'm so here's let me be just I guess kind of crude in a way. I've had experiences since my divorce. The women that I was super attracted to, my member downstairs was full attention superman, let's rock this world. <laughs> and then the ones that I wasn't as attracted to, it wasn't like, I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll play a little bit. I don't know. Maybe we'll come out to play. And so it's like, that's so attached to that. If that, if that intense attraction's not there, I don't know how it is for you guys, but it affects everything in me to where, you know, I've had those nights where someone stayed the night and it was seven, eight times all through the night. And every time I was full on ready to go. Cause I was super attracted to him. Other times after one time I'm done, I don't want to do it anymore. So how do you, you know, I mean, how could I literally turn the dial down on, on that physical attraction being so important and not, you know, cause I'm, I'm a, Unfortunately, I when I do go online and date, which I don't like to do it, but sometimes I'll just pop on Bumble or whatever and and do it. I find that I'm like if I I'll look at the picture and I can get a yes or no real quick. If it's a yes, I'll read the bio. But I can look at a face and go, nope, nope, sure, nope, sure. So, but being able to, but I'm gonna spend time with someone. That's I, part of it. I, I've gone out with girls that I wasn't that attracted to. We spent time together and they became more attractive to me. But let me, and I'm just being hard on you here, but I love you as a brother and you know sure. that when, when you meet the woman that you're going to spend the rest of your life with and she knows how important to you, the physical is to her and think about the emotion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what's that? How's that going to turn out for her in the long run? Right. I mean, I'm just kind of playing this out sure. a little bit. My, and the reason I say that is because I'm thinking you as a coach, if someone came to you and the guy said to you, she's just freaking not attractive to me anymore. Like, it, I know you would be like, I, I, I kind of get where you're coming from, right. but you would coach that person oh, to coach him away from that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yet here I'm hearing you, you know, you kind of see where I'm going. I yeah. feel like I'm trying to kind of lead you along the way sure. here. And the only reason I'm wanting to lead you, this is like, you, you can cut this from the podcast. The only reason I'm <laughs> wanting to lead you there is because I know that there's a freaking treasure trove of great stuff that I want another woman to dig out of Timmy Gibson that I get to experience as a man on a regular basis that I know she'll get to taste even more on a regular life. And I feel like something's got to flip for you in order for that to happen because you stay at that one inch layer kind of, does that make right. sense? Yes, absolutely.
So yeah, in so in defense, because I think most men can relate to the importance of you know beauty, but I think we could all agree that there have been women that I've been attracted to, even maybe had chemistry with, that maybe in in you know your eyes they wouldn't have been as attractive, or in your eyes wouldn't have had quite the body. And I only know this because of people talk. You know what kind, what's your type? And I'm like. There's things I like, you know, I like feminine. I like, you know, there's certain things that I, kindness, there's certain things that I find myself attracted to. But if I showed you a picture of all the different women that I've been attracted to, mm-hmm. it's not like they're all big boo blonde. And, you know what I mean? Like nope. they're, they're all yeah, different. They're some, all different. Some are heavy yes. set, some are short, some got, you know, yeah. long hair, short hair, blonde hair, blue hair, like yeah. whatever. But it, but it goes back to what Jerry was talking about. It's like, I've got to have an attract. I mean, I have to have that, that attraction, that, that, that lure. Um, and then once that's there, but I didn't you, even see the mole on there. You know what I mean? Like it, that, that doesn't compute. If I'm, if I'm attracted, I'm attracted and that's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, th- and, and I think, and I, and again, a lot of the guys I talked to, we've all said this once the attractions there, then, then it's all about how we get along. It's the personality. I, it's I the guess chemistry. for, I guess for me, I'm always a little perplexed when people are like, I, I gotta be, I gotta be with someone that I'm attracted to. And it's like, I feel like that's just uh, a, obvious, a, obvious. Like you're just not going to be with that person unless you're attracted <laughs> Why to are you with them. Well, I'm not attracted to them. I but. know right? that, like that's, <laughs> But I guess, and so then I take it a step further, right? I'm like, that's just a, that, that is a non-negotiable. That's like subconsciously going to happen, yeah. whether you Doesn't got it on your list, spoken, not even have course. to be spoken. Right? right. Like, so I guess to me, then when, if I ask you to describe to me a couple that, you know, or couples and, you know, but when you envision this relationship that you're trying to create, you obviously, we always say, right. Imagination is more important than facts. Yeah. Meaning that I need you to be able to imagine what you want so that you can actually create it. Because if you can't imagine it, you can't create right. it. Back to Jerry. I'm sure yeah, he, his imagination when it comes to style, he probably looks at someone and thinks he's imagining something right that, And he puts it on. And that's the facts is that, okay, now that I see it on, you need just. So it doesn't mean the facts aren't coming to play all the time. Right. But imagination is super key. You've got to be able to imagine what you want. Steven is non-negotiable, negotiable list. Yep. Those are all ways that he's kind of setting up a way for him to imagine what he wants for the future. Right. Yep. But if, but when you imagine what you want, what does some picture come to mind for you, a couple that you've known or some relationship that you've seen that you think that's what I want? Well, here's like not, the Goodwill hunting scene that we just watched offline no, a little a bit. Powerful scene. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it, it, like when I think about when I imagine myself with the person, my person for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, I don't picture a physical, like she looks like this. She's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I just picture someone that I just love. So you still imagine the physical. Well, no, what I'm saying is that I don't like in my mind, I'm not imagining what they look like physically. I'm imagining the connection that I have with them the comfortability, right. How sweet they are. Right. You know, their, right. their kindness. Right. And, and you, if, if you're kind, you might be a six physically, 
But if you're kind, you're going to go up to a nine. Yeah. Like kindness, when Mm. someone is sweet and thoughtful, I had some, somebody do something just really sweet for me the other day. And I thought, wow, like it just really touched me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, but there's, I guess maybe that's, maybe that's more what it is. Maybe I'm thinking about that part, but it's a, it's just a non, you don't even need to say it. Of course. Like what are the most important things in your life? Well, obviously God, but my kids, my what? Yeah. Like maybe it's like that. Maybe it's a so, little duh. I mean, weren't you attracted when you saw Michelle? Were you physically yeah, attracted? I was. You weren't like, oh, I'm not really, but we'll see well, how this goes. She always teach. She always teases me though. She, she wasn't my type. I'm more of a blonde and that type of thing. And she'll, she'll tell you the first thing. Like he looked me up and down. Like, you know, I was given to the once over, like, do you, do you, are you dress nice enough? You know? Yeah. And I look back and I, and it was, and this is not a, you know, anything hidden between us. I said to her early on, or in my mind, I was saying, I'm not sure because I've spent a lot of my $10 on style. Right. I didn't know that she had that, which was so interesting to me because I kind of discounted her in the beginning on that. And it turned out that she had a great style. Like, like I'm big into brands and all that type of thing. Sure. And you come into our closet and we got Sorel and Fry. And I mean, there's not a non-name brand shoe out of about 80 boxes that we have in that closet. So we went to someone else that yes, has that, that too in his closet. That she didn't. And I was like, and, and Jerry and I were talking about this offline. The style was important to me, but it's it's more than that. It's a layer or two deeper for me in that. In that, that they care about they themselves. care about themselves and they care about the quality of the clothing and and so in the way that it fits together. And she's not just interested in buying a fifteen dollar pair to get through the night. She wants something that's going to last her for you know. There's a lot there, and the fact that she just knows enough about boots and shoes that. That she can buy a quality. She knows the name brand. I mean, I'm going. I'm getting into Jerry's world. And he just can't wait to get the mic, and I'm going to go <laughs> filibuster on him over here, and I'm not going to give up the mic. So you're going to have to wait. <laughs> but well, my, but yeah. go ahead. Well, I was going to say the the question that you asked me. I don't think I. I don't think I completely finished the thought. So you said, Timmy, I'm going to give you ten dollars. Yes, and that's all you have to spend on these things. Physical. Yeah style personality spirituality whatever yeah the categories yeah you gave me these categories you said you only have 10 bucks to spend and i really i kept changing those numbers out i was like (laughs) okay i was like okay how important is attraction how important is beauty your body yeah and yeah i realized i was like oh i have a lot of money i put on face and body yeah and then the others on personality but but that's just, you know, and then I was like, no, nah, I'm going to change that because the more I thought about it, I'm like, how many girls have I gone out with that were physically beautiful, but they were mean or, or whatever. I'm like, no, beauty does not override that. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, and kindness overrides beauty, but meanness doesn't override. So I guess my question is how in a today's world, when you can flip through like catalog, and and go out with someone and it doesn't matter and you come back in this is kind of where i was going with the the weekend comment that you chose to ignore yeah. on our friend text <laughs> but but the point is is that what's that level of you you're not you're auto, i'm i'm taking off the attraction piece because i know you wouldn't even meet them for coffee or a cocktail if they weren't attractive 
So I guess my question is, what's happening and maybe your dating life is a reflection of others out there that we're not allowing ourselves to get a layer deeper with people to understand if there is that level of connection that we can end up having a relationship yeah. like goodwill hunting. Right. right. It, will it hunting grow. is going to grow <laughs> yes. into that. In other words, it can grow. Yeah, it can grow into that. And you end up 20 years later talking about your wife like and everyone's like bawling because they want that connection. And there was no component about physical in there yeah. at all. And you spent a lot of your $10 sure. on the physical. Yeah, that's Roxanne. Um, she's the woman when I first moved out two years ago, I moved into an Airbnb. Oh, right. It was you, with Roxanne. She's yeah. a widow. Yeah. And so she told me her story about her and Ed. Oh, yeah. And oh, she right. Just, I remember this. just moved in with him. Yeah. Uh, but she said for the first, she it almost took her a year. She said it wasn't like there were any big red flags, so she kept just yeah hanging out, with hanging them, out, kept you know, yeah, you know, letting yeah. the relationship grow and getting yeah. to know each other. But at first, she was like, I mean, you know, it whatever. She was feeling it enough, yeah, but she wasn't feeling at all like love, right? And a year later, she goes, I actually am in love with him. That's cool. And she said it just took a long time for us to yeah. really get to know each other. Yeah, which is one thing you know it's wild because even in my own situation, but it has to be mutual. You know, if I go out with a girl, she would have to be willing to go, hey, let's just try this. Let's go on about four or five dates and just see what happens. Now, that you know, would they, be that willing. would be interesting. Well, just I'd to like, kind of say up front, yes. would you be interested in doing three dates with me no matter how bad the first one goes or good? I, I honestly think that's a great idea. That is a great idea. I encourage all of the singles that I deal with and on the page that I manage. I always say, don't just do one and done unless it's a, there's a big, yeah. clear, clearly right. whatever. Like go on at least three dates. Yeah. You never know what they had going on at work that day, why they're showing up and maybe a little bit of funky mood. You just don't yep. know. And it's like your friend that gave you that counsel. Don't move in with anyone until you've spent one year yeah. with them through all, all the, seasons. the seasons that I'm hundred percent. I'm I bought into that. Yeah. I think it's brilliant that I would not get ultra serious with someone until I've at least gone through all the seasons with them, all the holidays with them right. and experienced that whole thing. Right. Um, so yeah, no, I'm down for that. I think, but again, that's, that's mutual. I mean, I, I don't know if Jerry or Steve have found that to be true, but well, maybe, you know, before you got married where you would have gone out on a second or third date, but for whatever reason, maybe they weren't feeling it. And so, you know, I like what well, you're trust saying. Me, that almost, happened a lot. <laughs> it, but i tell you what, I kind of like the idea of the first date going, Hey, listen, can we agree to something? Yeah. Let's do this. We're going to, let's, we're going to commit to three dates together. And I'll pay for the first one. You pay for the next two. And then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I think that's a great idea. I mean, I, I think that I talk like beauty is a big deal. The reality is. It, it's like talking any kind of big deal. And then how you actually live is different. So yeah. for me, I say that the looks are so important, but they really are subjective. I've gone out with girls that. And that all I, intents and purposes maybe weren't all, but I was some, for some reason, I was attracted to him. And that's going to be the case no matter what. Yeah. It's it's like, you don't have to tell me that. I just, sure. that's just, you know what I mean? Like, so I guess, I guess for me, I would hope all of us sitting around this table and it, it and me being the married guy, I still have to remind myself of what I'm at. The thing that I messed up in my marriage or I didn't understand, and I think this is what, you know, I, I told Grant over the weekend, I said, the thing that he did for me was 
he allowed me to see the world differently. And I think that's the best gift you can give to someone. If you yeah. can, if you can allow them to imagine life differently or get them to see something differently about themselves or the way life ought to be like you've given them a real gift because they'll yeah. chase it. And what I realized coming out of my marriage the first time was I just basically rode on the laurels of the fact that we were married and Christian, we're not going to get divorced and right. you didn't cultivate the garden. And, and it didn't mean that I didn't, try to do some things sure. with her and all that. But I mean, I wasn't intentional and targeted and, and being out there saying like any little small sign of a weed, I'm going to make sure that this thing is, is gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that's the key. And in order to be able to do that, you've got to have some things out there that have stirred your imagination to say, that's what I want. I want to yeah. be like that. And what, I don't know exactly how they got there, but I'm going to try to create that with what I have here. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think that that's probably sitting on our doorstep a lot more than we give it the opportunity. And because we didn't score them to Jerry, your point, a 10 right on the first date, we gave him a six, a six back to your friend Roxanne can turn into a 10 and man, you are, it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you've got more than you even thought you even imagined that you would have yeah. when you first, well, met. because I mean, we all know this. I mean, looks, everybody will get old. Yes. I mean, unless you yes. pass away, but I mean, you know, when, when, when I'm 90, like, you know, I won't look like this and right. when you're 90, you're not gonna look like right. that. Right. And so, you're going to look like a douchebag if you're 70 trying to date someone that's 40. Right. And then, right. Right. It's like, you, you told me more about yourself at that point than I ever need to know. Right. You're living in a fantasy land and you're not willing to mature. You yeah. know, it, it's. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that the, the thing that's going to keep you together long-term is the connection. Is that how we oh, live day to day, oh, how we, how we fight, how we resolve, yes. how we have interactions, how we overcome challenges, how we navigate through all the different seasons of life that you go through, um, you know, when you're in a committed partnership yeah. for sure. Yeah. And you just hit the nail on the head, whether you're dating or you're married, a, a successful relationship, in my opinion, is not how you love. It's how you fight. Yeah. Oh. And my ex and I couldn't figure out how to fight. Yeah. Right. She was on a different page than me. But how you how you resolve conflict and how you fight and how you work it out and yes. you don't throw out those words that you can't take back yeah. means everything. Loving's easy. The yeah. fighting part is because everybody's going to have a fight. Everybody's going to have an argument. But how do you? How do you resolve that conflict and get back to, you know, because at the very end, we're sleeping in separate bedrooms. We're in guest bedrooms, right? right yeah. What used to be a, a, a fight that would last for uh, a day and then you have makeup sex, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when you're sleeping in guest bedrooms, that fight that lasts a day becomes months. Yeah. yeah. Literally, yeah. literally months. Yeah. And then when the intimacy has gone. Yes. Everything's gone. Yes. I mean, you, yeah. cause it, that's the fulcrum of a, of a connection. It, how many, how many people do you know? They say, you know, they're, they don't get along with their wives, but the sex is still really good. Yeah. Right. 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 And you know, in so yeah, they, something's they, happening right there. You would, the sex there, wouldn't be there's good. still a connection there yes. to that. But when you lose both, when you lose the intimacy and the ability to have makeup sex or to have yes. whatever it is that you want to call it, it's gone. It's all gone when, yeah. when both of those things have gone. Yeah. Yes. I, I, Sue Johnson, I think in her book, she said it better, but she said basically, um, forgiveness isn't about contrition. It's about an invitation to reconnect. Ooh, and that yeah. was really meant a lot to me because it, 
I kind of thought it is like, okay, I'm sorry, you know, where you forgive me. That's a lot different than that's just basically you trying to offload the the guilt or that you're trying to feel as compared to I'm sorry, I want to figure out what needs to happen here for us to reconnect emotionally again, turn toward that person as a way to, from away from him and sleeping in other bedrooms. And that a little something like that tweak, you know, can make a big difference in how you view fights and things like that. Well, even John Gottman from the Gottman Institute, which they're like the experts. Yeah. In marriage, oh, they're real good. Um, he can predict. Uh, with I think 99% yeah. accuracy, yeah. whether a couple will be together based upon how they fight. Yes. Yeah. And you the know. key is, is to Jerry's point is that reconnection afterwards. How yeah. well do they do that? They're, they turn toward one another. Right. Well, and not just that. I mean, but you look at just like all of you guys have taken equal blame in your divorces, but if you're in a fight with your partner and it's, it's always one is at fault most of the time, you know, it's always yeah. the other person's fault. Yeah. Then, then that tells you a lot about the fight. Like oh, my, every time that couple fights, it's always her fault. My friends, Brian and Jennifer Smith, their podcast, I'll give them a little shout out. Their podcast is called the fresh mix, but they've been together. There are a couple that I kind of look up to as modeling the way they said something brilliant the other day. I mean, you and I might've talked about it on the podcast, but they give a percentage of blame to each thing. The meaning that it's okay for them to say, I I, yes, what happened the other night was wrong. And I'm willing to say that 70% of it, but I also think that 30% was, and so it just allows them to not have to shoulder the full blame because back to your point, that's usually how it goes. They're thinking the other person, but when you think in percentages and I thought that's brilliant because it's always, there's, there's something that happened on both sides, but there may be one that is more predominant and at fault. And so to talk about it from that perspective, to say, Hey, that just allowed them to open up to say, we're going to take a little bit, but yeah, you were a real asshole. I'll take 60% of that, but I do want you to understand, you know, and that, I think that changes the game. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And if someone's unwilling to, to see their right percentage, yeah. Yeah, in to take that, some percentage of then, it. then yeah, that, that clearly isn't going to, isn't going to work right. again. That reflects back on how you fight. If, you know, if you only fight because it was their fault, right. Then, you know, clearly that's, that's not gonna, I don't think that's gonna work long-term. Right. So, so we're talking about navigating, you know, we've talked about navigating some heartbreak, which turned into talking about divorce a little bit. What about for you guys in your careers? Mm. You know, I, I spent 30 years (laughs) as an evangelical pastor and left that world Mm -hmm. because of theological, uh, issues that I was having. Um, so I could no longer associate with that group anymore. And it, you know, that led to a church that I pastored for nearly 20 years of walking away from that. Um, and now, you know, doing a whole new thing, you know, so navigating through that change, it was, it was hard. <laughs> I mean, I felt like, you know, like I started this church from scratch in my home, you know? And so the fact that it wasn't, it wasn't going to continue was like the death of a child kind of. Um, but I felt a real a piece about that transition. Have any of you guys transitioned in your career? Well, I mean, I, I know Lance, you, oh yeah, you transitioned from. I've talked a lot though. I want these yeah. two clowns Did to you, get in on trans- this action. Had any kind of navigate through changes in career? Well, my entire life, I absolutely loved clothing. My fashion was my passion. I mean, is all the way back to my mother telling stories when I used to get the Sears catalog out and I was five, six years old and I'm going through and I'm picking out the uniform for the 
Pittsburgh Steelers because I love Terry Bradshaw. Uh-huh. And I asked Santa Claus for the Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. And when it came on Christmas Day and I opened it up, I started crying because the yellow pants with the black stripe down the side that the black stripe wasn't wide enough. And I knew the difference between <laughs> the real ones and the fake ones. And so I've been into passion my entire life. So I, I studied clothing actually I'm coming out. I'm coming out of the closet. <laughs> I may be the only straight guy that ever got a degree in fashion from Kansas state university. Are you serious? Uh, Honest to God. But I went to school with 65 girls every single day. Uh, yeah. who, who, who's the dummy? Steve? <laughs> All my fraternity brothers that were engineers used to give me shit about it. And I'm like, you, you go to school with 60 guys that haven't showered in a week. <laughs> yeah. I go to school with 65 women every day. Who, who's the dummy here? Yeah. So I got a degree in fashion and I went out and I pursued that and, and did that. But then I found myself you know, years later when I got married and I had just started my clothing company and I was building this business and it was referral only. And it's a niche business where you're making custom clothing. There's not a lot of guys that spend high dollar uh, money on, on custom clothing. At least they, they did in Dallas. And then when we made the decision to move to Kansas city shortly after being married, I thought, well, I'll kill it up there because nobody's doing what I do mm -hmm. in Dallas in Kansas city. I found out why. Because it's the Sam Walton mentality. Guys here will go spend two hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> yeah. on a suit at Men's Warehouse. They're not going to spend fifteen hundred dollars on a suit. Yeah. And so I, I found myself once we got pregnant with my daughter, having to figure out what am I going to do because the the the, the business was going to grow too slow. So I transitioned. I looked around. I saw all these buddies of mine that were in the mortgage business and were killing it. They're all living in big houses, driving nice cars, and I went, I can do that. Mm -hmm. So I got into the mortgage business. I continue to do the clothing thing, but I got in the mortgage business and did really, really well in it. And then 2008 rolled around and the crash happened Oh no! and it was brutal, but I stayed in it. I probably sh at that point should have had the foresight to say I'm, I'm getting back out, but I stayed in it and I've been in it for the most part ever since then with the, with the exception of uh, trying to retire from it a couple of years ago. And so I've done both. When somebody asks me what I do for a living, I tell them that I own a company that makes men's custom clothing. What I really do for a living is I sell mortgages. What my passion is, is custom clothing. Mm -hmm. um, I have a very small group clientele of high net worth guys that all dress very well. And they're the kind of guys that don't need clothing. They want clothing. They want to look nice. But, you know, a small group like that, that, they're, yeah. you know, you're not, you're not selling clothing to them literally as often as you need to. I mean, in Kansas city to, to, uh, to really pay the bills, you need 200 guys. I probably have 30 clients mm -hmm. and, and, uh, that are really, really good clients. And, and so I'm I, a low net worth client, <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you look good. But so I you're, you're, good, you're yeah. my model. So, <laughs> so I've, I've, I've had that where I have my career, if you will. And then I have my passion. So, um, you know, I, I, I do not care for the mortgage business. It's not something that's my passion, but it's paid the bills. Yeah. And, and then the clothing is my passion and what I identify with and what people in Kansas city identify me with. There's probably a good majority of my clients that buy clothing from me that do not know that I do mortgages.
Interesting. Because it's just not something we talk about. I'm, yeah. I'm the clothing guy. I'm a Capitol Grill. And one of them's in there with a gorgeous suit on and somebody comments and they go, hey, who's make, makes your clothing? And they point to me and I pull yeah. out a business card and I hand it to them. And that's how I get my clients. Interesting. It's okay. all word of mouth and referral. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. That's cool. What about what, you, Steve, on your navigating through career yeah. changes? Have you done any big <laughs> career changes? I'm like Polly Shore and son-in-law. I've done everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, honestly, I started my life out as an auto mechanic. Yeah. yeah. Two-year associate's degree. I played applied automotive science, worked for uh, Shawnee Mission Ford, worked on diesel trucks, and then uh, they launched six later. It was a mess, and I ended up tied up with with uh ford engineering they started paying for more school for me you know and uh honestly i just do whatever the hell interests me yeah i mean there's a common thread though when you look back in your careers though like that's there and i and i think that that's the key jerry's point about talking about his passion even though you don't have the mortgage there's probably some things there that maybe carry over a little bit or it'd be tough to get out of bed in the morning but when you look at your stuff you know you you being in the the fire thing and you know the mechanical and working on I'm a technical space guy. you're a technical yeah. guy you yeah. like to work with your hands though too oh yeah you know yeah. so you like to build stuff and that mm-hmm. and so i i think when you look back that's part of jumping from job to job right is that you got to kind of look back and see a little bit like what are the common threads that you pull out about yourself oh, yeah. that the jobs help you learn about yourself yeah yeah you know and the thing is my whole life i built stuff i mean honestly i mean i've i've worked I mean, I've built boilers, I've built buildings, I've built rocket engine components, you know, I've built parts to um, stuff that blows up. But, you know, um, I've always built stuff for a living, you know, and I've always really loved, okay, lately I design more stuff than I build. I was kind of, I'm getting old. <laughs> right. 38. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 38 is old in the trades, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but now, you know, I'm looking more at like, I, I don't know, I got some big offers lately yeah i gotta decide like you know pretty big changes you know and uh that kind of spacex that that makes me nervous people reach out to this guy that that opportunity you're talking about makes me kind of nervous though finance yeah Oh, yeah. I know what he's talking about. Oh, yeah. You wish that you, oh, you no, wish. No, oh, no, you no, don't. No, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. Do what he loves to do. Do what he loves oh, to do. Oh, man. Yeah, you know, I, I think being able to, any anything that we're going through in life, I think, that I guess the key is in the, the way we're saying it, the navigating part, yeah. rather than flipping and flopping and flailing everywhere. If you look at your stuff, right, there's a common thread even amongst yours. Like yes. it's about people, relationships, making connections, gathering people. Like yeah. you're doing, like even when you drove Uber for a little bit, yeah. like people are coming over to your house, like, where'd you meet Timmy? It's like, oh, he was my Uber driver one. <laughs> who, who says that? <laughs> well, Timmy does because that's how Timmy's wired, right? Like, and that 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 again, I think, is the thing that I'm trying to draw. It is that you find that common thread throughout all of it, and that's when you start to look at yourself and think, mm, "There's something here that yeah. I need to kind of explore." That again, maybe we overthink this, but it's like sure. you and I are all about the understanding and how we yes. unwire ourselves to figure out why we tick the way we do. <laughs> you are the one of the a few people that I have close to me. We're all real similar in that. Yeah, unzip oh, me. I want yes. to know how this yeah. is working. Yes. Here. Like, why do I feel this way? Why yes. do I respond this way? Why do I feel this is important to me? Yeah. You know, oh, I love it. Yeah, I do too. I, I, that's a big, I think it's important for you 
for meaning me, all of us, everyone listening to, to do that, to unzip yourself, yeah. to look in the mirror, to why am I like this? Why do I think this? Why do I believe this? Um, there was someone I, I listened to, a, I think it was a Ted talk and she was talking about people will say, you know, well, this is just my personality. And they're like, no, not like you were born with that personality. That personality was shaped and, mm-hmm. and by mm-hmm. your parents, your environment, and your society and, you know, world yeah. events and everything going on. You have a certain perspective. Um, I think you mentioned this in the last podcast about when someone really, really wants to save, save, save and be frugal, you know, what are they really scared right, of? Right, right. You know, in other words, it's, is it just that they're really frugal right. or they, did they go through the great depression yeah. and they don't want it to ever be caught yeah, in there's something else driving without, that. Right. There's yeah. something else down at the, at the layer. Yeah. And, and it's funny. You said something that I'm like, damn it, Lance, this isn't supposed to be a counseling session here. <laughs> um, but being able to, to what's in me that, or maybe it was Goodwill hunting <laughs> that what's in me that feels that I would need that. It, it's a reflection on me, meaning right. if I have this yes. on by my side, yeah. everybody will think I'm totally yeah. cool. Yeah. Right? And uh, so then you end up discounting an eight that she's not a 10 because you feel like you're trying to protect the image of a 10 that you think you are. Right. If I date her, people might not think she's as attractive as what I think they think that I ought to be dating. And yeah. so therefore then my, my status as a 10 maybe gets diminished a little bit. And yeah, it's like, and I don't want to drop to an eight. Right. And that's just fucked up. Yeah. You know, when we think about that. Well, that- so Timmy, going back to talking about, you know, you're, you're wired a certain way in this kind of thing. The one thing that's been really difficult for me is there are things about my personality and things about me that I wished weren't, I I wished that I could see more in somebody's heart and not on the outside of them. When I initially meet them, I, I wish that they didn't see me for what I'm driving or what I'm wearing or this or that. And they could see my heart. I I told you guys off air when, uh, when COVID started, you know, I got, I, I bought a Peloton bike and I got on, I just started riding because you couldn't go to the gym and I just, I didn't want to drink every night and and we didn't know how long it was going to last, but I was like, I just need to do something because I'm locked in the house. I lost 50 pounds. I'm the same guy now as I was 50 pounds ago, but the girls that are maybe attracted to me now wouldn't have been attracted to me 50 pounds ago, but I'm the same guy. Right. So I need to do the same thing. But I think the biggest thing for me is, and I think, I think, I think guys and girls, you need to give yourself grace. Amen. You need to be able to give your, just, just let yourself off the hook. You're wired the way you're wired. Okay. How many, how many times do you hear, gay and lesbian people say, I, I stayed in the closet for so long because I was, because people made, you know, society made me feel ashamed. And then when I decided that I was going to give myself grace and I was going to let myself be myself, it was the most freeing thing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same thing with people that like myself, that, that I, there's things that I want to change about myself. I'm always looking to be a better, a better man, a better father, you know, a, a better brother, a better friend, but I also need to give myself grace. 
I am wired the way that I am and I can't help it if a beautiful woman walks by and I'm attracted to her and I, and I look at her, I'm not going to apologize. I mean, how many times you and I've been at dinner at Capitol grill, (laughs) we're sitting by the window and we have a squirrel moment. We're sitting there in the middle of a conversation. It's like, it just goes silent as we, we watch this beautiful woman walk past. Well, I didn't, I'm not, I didn't, you know, I'm wired that way. It's not, yeah. Uh, it's my genes. It's, it's not me. Yeah. So I've got to give myself a little bit of grace. And though I want to get better at certain things, I've got to, I've got to be able to say, you know what, this is, this is who I am. And, and it doesn't make me a bad man. Sure. It just is the way I am. I actually think that would be a fascinating concept that we could write a lot on this. And that is, I think the female females have done a nice job of, you know, not body shaming and, and giving themselves grace. And they, there's, there's like a lot of talk and sentiment around that concept. But when guys talk about it, I think what would be unique is us exploring kind of what Jerry's talking about. And that is it's coming back to this idea that we don't give ourselves grace unless she's a 10 or whatever she is. She makes us look like we're a big shot than the image that we have. Like, in you know, we need to give ourselves grace more in those things or, Or, you know, things that we beat ourselves up on sexually or some of those types of things, realizing that some of this is naturally who you are as a person. I mean, it's a fine line. You got to figure out where you're in the ditch and where you're on the road. Sure. But but I also feel like that's a that's a that's not something that we as males tease out a lot is giving ourselves grace and females do a nice job of it. I mean, even even physically back to I mean. That our job is important to us, and the amount of money that we make, and and the you know, size of our penis, the size of our penis, and <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean, and and you know, just when when someone says, you know, you, you go out with a girl, you want to make a certain amount of money, you know, knowing that yeah, I can take care of you, and you, you know, I mean, all those things. If you don't have it, just realizing that there's it's you're okay. still a man, you're still important, you still have something to bring to the table. But there's so many of the, the girls have the time don't even care. You and I talked about this, yeah. right? You were in great shape at one point, and you said over COVID you got just a little bit flabby, and yeah. you go, the girls don't even ever mention it. Like, but to you, you think right. someone's going to mention the fact that I don't have a six pack anymore, and they're thinking, I didn't even notice no, it, right? right? We beat ourselves up on that because we think the woman wants the guy that looks like he's right off the the cover of Men's Health, when yeah. in fact that's not even what they care about, right? You know, and we don't give ourselves grace in that area. I think there's a lot that we could explore here as men. Yeah, no, and I definitely, I, I think I'd mentioned this before that one of, I, I, I'm insecure like everybody is insecure. I mean, I have insecurities, of course, but for me, one of my the things that I if I have an insecurity, it would be in my financial prowess, you know? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with how I look. I'm okay with how I build. I'm okay with, you know, yeah. my personality, all those things I'm okay with. But when it comes to, you know, like if I get around someone that's driving a Bentley yeah. <laughs> or whatever, yeah. it, 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 it can intimidate me yeah. a little bit like, man, I'm not that. Right. Successful. And the person who's driving the Bentley is thinking things like, I wish I could pull off, you know, look, you know what I mean? They're saying they've got the insecurities on their side. Right. Right. You know, it's a cliche. Money doesn't buy happiness. Yeah. Until you have money and you're miserable. Right. (laughs) And then you, are you saying then you can, you want to go buy happiness with it? What I, I'm, I lost, I got lost. It truly is a cliche. I've got too many friends 
that are high net guys, yeah. high net worth guys. And they said, I thought when I got this money, I thought mm-hmm. that the, the Ferrari or I thought that the watch or I thought that this yeah. or that was going to buy me happiness. And, and, and the new car lasted for a week. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and it truly is a cliche. Yeah. You know, I, and you guys know me most people don't know me, but you know what I drive and, and I'm only going to bring this up because it's, it's, a, this is exactly what happened. I was driving down the plaza to meet Timmy last Friday, had the top down on the car, pull up to a, a, a stoplight right outside the plaza. And I've got a guy that pulls up beside me in a Nissan Maxima. Nice car. He's got the windows down. He's got his wife beside him. He's got two children in the back and they're playing and everything. And he goes, man, that's a beautiful car. I go, thank you. He goes, gosh, what I'd give to have anything like that. I said, no, you wouldn't. I said, I'll trade you right now. And he said, what do you mean? I go, look beside I want you. your wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I, that's what I said. You can, you, can, you can leave those dream stealers in the back seat at home, but I want your wife. But I said to him, I said, look beside you. And he said, yeah. And I said, look beside me. Oh, I said, Jerry, with the lesson of the yes. day, honest to God, I, 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 and I was feeling it a little bit that day. I was kind of just a little bit down and out and just about, about things like this. Cause I think about it a lot. And I said, there's, there's nobody sitting beside me in this car. Mm-hmm. I said, you've got a beautiful wife. You got a beautiful family. I said, the car you drive doesn't mean a damn thing. Mm-hmm. I said, what you have, I can't buy. Mm, and he good. just gave me this thumbs up and he got this big smile on his face and you see his wife slap him in the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> and then you look at it real serious. You're like, no, I'm serious. I want you. <laughs> but no, it really is. The yeah. money does not buy happiness that, you yeah. know, that, so, and we'll, we'll bring this, we'll land this plane here. Yes. We'll land this plane here. But I, I think that what, what we've all talked about and what we know is important. It truly is at the end of the day, it's not about the money. It's not about the looks. It's not about, it's about a genuine connection. It's friendship. Yes. It's chemistry. It's all these magical things that, that can't be physically Spot described. On. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it is about connection. You know, it yeah. is about sharing your life with someone, finding someone compatible. Um, you know, I, and I know Jerry, Jerry and I've talked about this a lot and I know we've all talked about it before too. Um, you know, money clearly doesn't buy you happiness and, and it doesn't buy you a, a family or whatever. I mean, it, it can, it can buy, it can buy sex, but it can't buy love. Right? right. And so I think that the most important thing is, um, is that we do everything that we can to, you know, grow, grow ourselves, to learn, be reflective, to look within, um, and become happy with who we are. And then I think then we'll find other people to be happy too. Meaning, you know, it'll, it, it'll be like, we'll forecast it, you know, rather than I'm picking apart someone else. Cause I'm really unhappy with myself yeah. rather than, no, I see the beauty in everybody else because I see the beauty in my own self too. Yeah. yeah. I find, sense. I find more joy right now in my relationships with guys like you, you three, yeah. mm-hmm. my guy relationships. I have found more joy in that than mm-hmm. I do going out on dates. I would rather meet you guys and have dinner mm-hmm. and, and have a conversation than I would going, going out on a date right now. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's important yeah. to me. Yeah. And it took me a long time after divorce. I was just out there and out there and out there and had to get back in the saddle again. But as I've gotten older, what's important to me now is not the same. 
Yeah. If it happens organically, it happens, but I'm, what's the difference? But are we okay on time? Yeah. Uh -huh. What's the difference? I'm just curious when you, when you say that, because shucking a million oysters looking for a pearl mm. and, and what we've talked about this entire evening about, about navigating about na about yeah. navigating. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, all the dating sites in the world, those are shit shows. Mm -hmm. That's nothing but fake. I mean, when, when you look at all those pictures, you, you, they could be 10, 15 years old, older than what they are, you know, and, and you look at somebody and you're, you're basing whether you want to ask somebody out off of a picture. Right. 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 And again, that goes back to what we were talking about, but it's really, I think organically is the best way to do it. And, and it does get harder. I mean, when you're in your fifties, and you're divorced, it's not like being in your thirties. I mean, there comes wisdom with, with age, but it's also not easy. So do you feel like go back to make the distinction between you making a connection with the guys right now and for deep friendships, as opposed to the dating, do you feel like it's because you don't have to put on as much of a, uh, the peacock effect, you Without know, where you're signaling. Yeah. It's like, I can be real with you guys and we're going to connect because we're bros without, yeah. without a doubt, the deep conversations that, that I have with y'all, I don't have those kind, yeah. kinds of conversations on dates. I mean, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, whether it be religion or it be talking about women or it be talking yeah. about our kids or whatever the case may be, it is absolutely you feel safe. I feel it's mm -hmm. my safe, it's That's my, sa it's it. my safe spot, but I, you just, I'm, Damn it, Lance, that's twice now. <laughs> the peacock effect. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. I don't have to I don't yeah. have yeah. to drive peacocking. I don't have to drive a certain car. I don't have to wear a certain kind of clothes. I don't have to have a certain kind of watch. I can be yeah. myself. Yeah. And that, you know what, that's the, the part that I always am, am searching for is just to get comfortable in my own skin when I'm with a woman for the first time going, I'm, I'm a good man. Mm -hmm. I'm a good man. I don't need all these things. Okay. And that's what I love about you and Michelle is, as you could just see that you two absolutely are in love mm -hmm. with each other and you don't, you can just be yourself. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. And you know, that it is what it is. It's, um, 55 and single can be a shit show. Well, I, I want to say something about my, our, our good friend, Jerry here, you know, he, he, uh, won't go into too much detail, but, but he taught me a real lesson about generosity over the weekend and, yeah. and did a real special thing for Michelle and I. Yeah. And, and I've had other times when someone's done it, Michelle and I talked about it for a long, Oh, by the way, it was a joke. We went to snooze out in Overland park, you know, the, the, and it's, they got yeah. one in Westport, yes. but they got one out there and, and, and we freaking got up at seven on, you know, we're old. We get up at seven on Sunday morning. No, either you're at church or no one's doing anything. So we were like, I said, let's go to snooze. You know, this is our anniversary weekend. And so, and she's like, all right. So we went over there. We got there at eight o'clock and there was just a couple people outside. Not that much. We walk in and she's like, said two. And she's like, okay, well, we've got two spots at the bar or it's a two hour wait. And, and I was like, wow, at eight o'clock in the morning. And so we got up to the bar and I was like, I thought she was going to be like, well, it's a two hour wait or Jerry's got you guys two <laughs> spots at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Jerry just keeps on the weekend of Jerry. <laughs> it was like anything that good happened to us over the weekend. We're like, well, we pulled, we got a parking spot yeah. right here. At this we're, Jerry must have saved the spot for us. <laughs> anything good happened to Jerry. But, but I, uh, it, for me, I, I really appreciated it. It, his act of generosity helped me understand sometimes just how something so small 
of do you're just it's you're blown away by the power of it yeah. i'm sure it made him feel good but the way that it made us feel good like that's just something that you really can't understand until it happens to you and yeah. then you like oh i want i want this feeling all the time it was intoxicating yeah i want to start doing this for other people as well because of how i'm feeling they'll feel you know what i mean yeah it was just a really cool feeling and so brother i really appreciate that and and yeah. you certainly unintentionally taught taught me a lesson about life just through that yeah and i'll tell you what the the just oh, maybe a year year and a half ago something so simple taught me that lesson and it was being in the line at starbucks and pulling up and saying the car in front of you just got your yeah, coffee okay pay, pay it forward okay i've got the, the car behind yeah. me. yeah there's seven <laughs> families seven <laughs> <in that> <laughs> And they've got lots of taste. No, but it was it was just paying it forward. But yeah. it was something so simple that somebody that didn't know me in front of me just said, "I've got his coffee behind me," and it and it impacted me. And it was, you know, just it was that simple. That's I'll, cool. pay, I'll pay for the next single guy behind me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, I love that. Well, guys, any any closing comments uh, as we just kind of land this plane, talking about navigating life? Is there any like final words of wisdom we want to? kind of in part at what helped you navigate through that. I think, you know, being reflective, open hearted. Yeah. yeah I know, think for guys, I think a lot of times we think that if we open up, we'll expose ourselves and we'll be looked down upon or disparaged. You know, it's like you're weak or you thought I was, and it's just the opposite. The more you're, if, if you find the right guys to be around, the more transparent and vulnerable you are, the greater connection you have. And those are the guys that you want to go through life's battles 100%. with. Yeah, there's no doubt it's better to live that way. And I think what Jerry said is true. Being able to feel safe. Yeah, that's a great we're word. For in a partner. Absolutely. Clearly, but also with your your friends for yep. sure. If yep. you can't be vulnerable with the woman that you're dating or your partner, if it's women listening, if you can't be vulnerable with the person that you're that you're starting a, a relationship with, then they're not the right person. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, guys, we enjoyed it today. Thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Peace. Peace.